Amen. Hey, once again, we're in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. We're in number 13, Charismatic Chaos, part two, and the tagline is Sandy. Give it up for Sandy. That's right. I thought I'd give Debbie a break, especially since I don't see her anymore. There she is. Debbie's in the house. We can sort of begin now, but we already began, but don't take it personal. But that's right. The untold history of the charismatic movement. Part one, obviously we dealt with 20 weeks. Who's counting? I am. Uh, 20 weeks on the aberrant teachings and all kinds of other stuff of that nature that was going on. Now we're dealing with this whole premise. They say, well, the reason why it's so weird and wacky and you don't understand and all that stuff is because it's a new movement of God that started at this thing called the Azusa Street Revival. Er, not. We demonstrated that for many, many weeks. Right after the death of the last apostle, John, man, this kind of stuff has just been going on. The exact same behavior, exact same premise for years and years and years. But Azusa Street, then after that, they, uh, they spread all right, but they spread partly a lot because they split. And the reason why they split is because, well, God told me to tell you, or no, I had this vision. No, God told me I'm supposed to know. This is the truth. I'm the prophet of God. God told me that you're wrong and I'm right. That's a split every single time. And so a lot of the charismatic community began to split after that. Then it gave birth to Oneness Pentecostalism in 1914, which is a a pseudo-Christian group. What's that mean? Pseudo, fake, false. That is not Christianity because they believe you have to speak in tongues to be saved. Is that true? No, that's adding to the cross of Christ. Two, they say you got to be baptized specifically uh, by their guy, uh, in order to be saved. Is that, that certainly, that's uh, works again. And they got a wrong view of the Trinity and God, etc. Then same year, Assemblies of God was formed. Then we saw in 1927, here comes the Four Square Movement, Amy Simple McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman, 1933, Benny Hinn, born in 1952. But where we are dealing with, after Amy and Catherine, and that's right, Benny Hinn, for three weeks, who's counting? I was, that's right. Uh, now we're into the 1950s healing revival. That's where we were at. Uh, last time. What was going on with that? How did this thing get so popular, this kind of charismatic craze? And, and, and well, this is a big part of it, okay? But uh, what we saw here is these three, if you will, they rely on people coming to them, right? They had their big temples and edifices that you went and you visited and, and saw the show, if you will. Well, basically, in a nutshell, the charismatic tent revivals in the 50s, okay, was they came to you, right? They were basically traveling, when these huge, massive tents, right? Not just a couple hundred people, but thousands, thousands, huge, massive things, okay? And uh, that's where we left off last time. But again, it's the same premise that we are, they say, guaranteed every single time without fail, 100% health always and uh, perfect wealth and guaranteed. Is that true? Not even close, okay, uh, as we've been seeing, okay? But before we get into the two most popular ones, of the charismatic tent revival, William Branham and Oral Roberts. That's what we're going to focus on tonight. Okay, let's remind ourselves what the Bible says about people who claim to speak for God, i.e. false prophets, okay, and what God has to say. And believe it or not, Jesus tells us what to watch out for, that you and I have the ability to say, no, you're a false prophet. No, you're a ferocious wolf. No, you're a faker, okay? Now, again, I didn't say that. He did. Open your Bibles to Matthew 7, Matthew 7, of course, is our opening text, Matthew 7, and we're going to read verses 15, and we're actually going to read all the way down to 23, because I wanted to get you the context. Maybe you haven't read these two together. You should, because it's the context, okay, and it makes perfect sense, and certainly, I think, it has everything to do with what we've been talking about with the charismatic chaos, uh, and these people claiming to get a word from God, and they're a prophet of God, or a so-called apostle, or God told me to tell you, that kind of, all that kind of stuff. 
And, uh, but Jesus tells you, how are you supposed to spot these people? And he tells us, okay. And, uh, but then he also tells us, believe it or not, their spiritual condition and it ain't good. Okay, let's take a look, right? Verse 15 says this, Jesus speaking, of course, he says, watch out for what? False prophets. Now, why would Jesus say, watch out for false prophets? Because they're gonna come at you. That's right, whoever said that, they're gonna come at you, right? That's pretty obvious, okay? False prophets, fake prophets, pseudo prophets, right? Now, here's what it is. They come to you, right, in what? Sheep's clothing. Now, what's that mean? They look like you. They dress like you. They might even know Christianese, okay? Uh, They're in your midst, you didn't go to them. They came to you. They snuck in, right? And of course, it's being a prophet. Well, they, they, in fact, they might even be behind the pulpit. They might be that special speaker that was actually purposely invited, right? But he said they, they, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're what? Ferocious wolves. So are they real? No, they're not only false prophets. They're fake, right? They look like you, but they're fake. Are churches flooded with fake Christians? Uh, yeah, that's the big problem that's going on today. But these are specifically people who are in, quote, leadership, if you want to call it that. This is a prophet of God, right? This isn't just somebody sitting in the pew being a phony Christian. This is behind the pulpit, right? They're fake. Does that happen? Are there fake people behind the pulpits today? Uh Uh-huh, all over the place. We've seen that. Now, what's interesting, I don't have time to go too deep in this, but the word there, ferocious, wolves, ferocious wolves, uh, in the Greek, it literally uh, gives the connotation that this person is a swindler, uh, that they're an extortionist. Uh, that they're manipulating you for something they want to get out of you. What does that sound like? These people today, telling you anything to get you to give them their money to sow a seed in their ministry, or if you do that, then you got to get this guaranteed healing. All That's actually the word there. It's not just, uh, it, it means ravenous, meaning like they can't get enough, but they will trick you, dupe you, fool you, because they're swindling you out of something. In fact, what's interesting is in 1 Corinthians 6, this exact same word, not ferocious, but swindler, it's the same Greek word, ferocious, swindler, extortionist. It's the exact same word that's used also when it says, and such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does that mean? They obviously ain't saved, right? And it makes it even more clear when you keep reading the context. Let's keep going on. By their what? How are you going to know? I mean, that's a serious issue, man. Somebody's coming behind the pulpit, even some special speaker. Somebody told me that they, they got a word from God, whatever. And, and, but man, Jesus said, you better watch out. These guys are, they're fake and phony. And uh, how do I know? Ooh. You know, because typically they're not going to come tattooed with the, on their forehead, false prophet. See me at falseprophet.com. Register at falseprophet. No, here's what he says. By their what? Fruit. You will recognize them. What do you mean your fruit? Their life, what they say, what they do. You may not get it right away, but over time, watch their track record. Watch what keeps coming out of their mouth. Watch, watch their behavior. You're going to know. How many times do you hear people say, you shouldn't judge? What, what's Jesus say? Jesus says, you better pay attention to their fruit. Right? He didn't say just, well, I just can't say nothing. Who are you to say anything? That's not what Jesus said. He, and he told us this out of love so we wouldn't get duped. He says, uh, it's pretty obvious, too, what you're going to see, because it's not befitting of God's people. It's common sense. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? No. Or how about figs from thistles? No. In fact, here's another analogy. Like, every good tree bears what? That's why it's called a good tree. But every bad tree bears what? Bad fruit. That's why it's a bad tree. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, don't stop. Keep reading. He further nails it in the context that these people have been faked the whole time. Watch. 
Not everyone who says to me, what? Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, these people, they know Christianese, right? But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In fact, he says, many will say to me on that day, which most people believe to be judgment day, Lord, Lord, did we not, listen to this, tell me if this doesn't sound like much of the charismatic community. Did we not what? Prophesy. Now, why do you say that? What's the context? What's the first thing he said? Watch out for what? False prophets. So then he says, these fakers, this is what they're going to say. Well, what's going on here? Why are you sending me to hell? You know, what's going on here? I don't deserve to go to the lake of fire. Well, you know, I'm standing at the great white throne. What are you doing? I mean, I, I, I prophesied in your name. Isn't that what they say today? They do. What's the second thing they say they do? In your name, I what? Drive out demons. That's another popular conception that they say that they're doing deliverance ministries and all that stuff, supposedly. And perform what? Many miracles. I mean, you come to my tent revival, you come to this meeting, you're guaranteed a miracle. You sow a seed to my ministry, you're going to get a miracle. That's the exact same carbon copy verbiage that's used today. And what's Jesus say about these people? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from you, you evildoers. Right? Now, notice on Judgment Day, they didn't appeal. Hey, whoa, wait a second. You can't throw me in the lake of fire. I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It's, it, that's what I appeal to is Jesus. And what they appeal to? Their so-called, if you will, charismatic works. You don't work your way to heaven. But notice what he said there. He says, I never knew you. He didn't say, well, yeah, you lost your salvation. You blew it. No, you can't lose your salvation. These people, he said, were fake the whole time. They never had salvation in the first place. They're false prophets. And you will recognize them. Pay attention over time. You're going to see it. It's going to become apparent by their fruit. And what they're going to appeal to is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. They prophesied in God's name. They drove out demons. They did supposed miracles. Jesus said those people are in a rude awakening, man, when it comes to judgment day. You definitely don't want to be in their camp, okay? Now, by their fruit, we're going to see their false teachers, false prophets, and again, keep reading. That means false believers. Very scary uh, reality. Now, back to this, and this is what we're going to see again in these tent revivals in the 1950s. We've already seen uh, last time some of the popular ones. T.L. Osborne, as you can uh, uh, see here, died in 2013. Jack Coe was another popular one at the heyday of the tent revivals. He passed away in 1956. And another guy was, we saw A.A. Uh, a. Allen, okay? And uh, he died in 1970. And every single one of those guys got some serious problems as we dealt with. But we left off with basically the top two, okay? The top two. The first one, okay, that we're gonna deal with tonight uh, that really was credited as getting, you know, was the most popular during this time frame anyway, uh, was this guy, William Branham, okay, William Branham, and uh, a faith healer, again, this is post-World War II when this was going on in the 50s, uh, he left a lasting impact on tele-evangelism and frankly, the modern charismatic movement, and again, as we left off last time, he was a principal architect of the mind thought of the charismatic community, what's called restorationism. As we saw, restorationism is this idea that, well, all you people who are going to church services today, like Sunrise, well, you're just a bunch of fuddy-duddies, right? Because all, all you do is ever study the Bible, right? And uh, you, you guys need, we, if, if we need to go back to the church, the early church, we need to restore it back to the early church. And that's when it was pure and didn't have all this religiosity and, and all this baloney. I mean, back then there was exciting stuff taking place. We need to go back. We, and, and there's apostles for today and prophets for today. And we dealt with it for another not, right? And why? Because we don't need a new word from God. All you got is right here. You don't need it. 
So it's, it's closed. The canon's closed, right? Read Hebrews 1. In the past, Hebrews 1 says, God spoke to us by the prophets, but now he's spoken to us by his son. Where is the words of the son recorded? Rhymes the New Testament. So, okay, it's all there for us. We don't, he didn't say, and then later we're gonna do it again. No, okay. But this guy, William Branham, okay, he brought back that mindset. We gotta go back. I mean, we've got to have apostles and prophets again. Well, guess what? That opened the floodgates for all these false prophets to appear that uh, Jesus warned about. Uh, he claimed to have re- received an angelic visitation on May 7th, 1946, and supposedly that's what commissioned his worldwide ministry. Doesn't that sound good? All these things are stories made up uh, to dupe people uh, because as you see with their fruit, that was not, if, if something did appear to you, it wasn't an angel from God. Okay. Uh, many of his followers, listen to this, how serious he's long dead. We'll get to it in a second, but his followers are so, they so thought he was a quote, modern day prophet of God. Listen to this, that they accept his sermons as, listen, oral scripture. Today, still to this day, like 2 million people still follow this guy. Crazy. Okay. And they refer to his teachings as the message. Capital M, by the way. Can you believe this? Whatever. Okay. But he said he was a prophet. That's right. Apparently, if you say it, it makes it true. Uh, but he came supposedly with the anointing of Elijah. And he was the one who was come to herald Christ's second coming. Really? It doesn't sound like he had a very, maybe he had a little, little, maybe a little, little pride problem, maybe. Is it just me? Am I reading too much into that? that yeah, okay, whatever. But anyway, he, so much so, these people are following this guy now. They're not even following the Bible. Actually, what it's called now, they've developed something. It's called Branhamism. You look it up. It's crazy. They developed a whole new doctrine, a whole new belief system off of this charismatic guy during this time frame. Okay. His followers refer to themselves as Branhamites or the message believers. They believe that William Branham, or also known as Brother Branham, okay, it was the final prophet of the church in fulfillment of Malachi 4 5, which I quote says in the Old Testament, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Really? So that was you. Well, last time I checked, uh, you're dead didn't make it timing's off the whole thing's off give me a break but boy did he dupe all kinds of people but what gets me is people are still being duped because it's like is anybody going to call this false prophet out or anybody going to warn the church jesus did he told you what to look for so let's take a look at that fruit uh he was born in 1909 in kentucky uh he claims listen quote to have had a revelation from god at the age of three and we can all verify that <laughs> Anybody remember anything from three? I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe some people. I remember three. Uh, but really? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. But that's just the tip of the tip of the iceberg, right? After a near fatal accident, he claimed to have heard a voice. Uh, had supposedly another revelation from God. And at that point, he began to seek God. He got involved in the Pentecostal movement. Well, why would he gravitate towards that area? Because who's open to all this stuff? Yeah, exactly. Same thing. And this is what's crazy. He was actually ordained as a, quote, independent Baptist minister. Whoa. It's called fact check. It's called do a background check. It's called do so. Look at the resume. Do make some phone calls. Do something. But how could you? Wow, it's crazy. Even though he endorsed, even at that time, the teachings of oneness Pentecostalism. 
So he wasn't even preaching the gospel, wasn't even believing the gospel. It's a works-based system, right? Okay, and he claimed to have regular visions and revelations from God, and yet somehow he was ordained as a Baptist minister. That's nuts all over, okay? Then he began his healing ministry in 1946 as a faith healer. Uh, He made a bunch of, quote, high-profile claims that were later, quote, disputed and or refuted. And you know what one of some of the big obvious evidence was? And I quote, the subjects of the healing died. That's usually pretty much confirms it's been refuted when you say you're healed, but you die, okay? Now, I gotta bring this fast forward and we're gonna probably have a whole study on these guys, but this is the same kind of baloney that's going on with uh, Bethel today. We were talking about Bethel before, the big music and all that kind of stuff that's going on. And, um, but Bethel, I don't know if you noticed, but recently, uh, they made the claim that, uh, uh, of course, that they can raise people from the dead, like this random guy, and a lot of these guys during this time frame. Uh, but recently, a little girl actually died. Okay, I'm going to show you a picture here. Her name's uh, Olive. That's her, her right there. And this wasn't that long ago. She died, and the circumstances of her death was not revealed uh, but the church spokesman said, all of a sudden, this baby girl, Olive, stopped breathing. Her parents called 911. The professionals tried to resuscitate her, but they were not successful, according to the reports in Redding, California, where obviously Bethel's headquarters at. And uh, her mother, Kaylee, is a singer at the Bethel Church there in Redding. And, uh, and she wrote, quote, we're asking for prayer. We believe uh, that, uh, um, that we need it for our little Olive, who stopped breathing yesterday and was pronounced dead by doctors. We're asking for prayers from the church to stand with us that he will, quote, raise this little girl back to life. This went on for days. They refused to have a funeral because they were convinced that God was, I mean, she's dead, long dead, gone dead, and they still refused to bury this little girl, okay? But then it gets even more unfortunate. Uh, so they're calling out for people to pray because they're believing that God's gonna raise this little girl from the dead. Did you guys see this in the news? Was that the only one? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. This is hot, hot off the press, folks. Okay, and uh, but they thought, she, uh, and, and, but then all of a sudden they also decided to quote launch a GoFundMe account raising, listen, one hundred thousand dollars for the family for quote undisclosed purposes. Now wait a second. You believe, you know, you, somehow this girl's going to be raised from the dead because you got this super anointing like back in the days of the early church and the apostles, and it's not true. You believe that, but. Why are you asking for a hundred grand? Especially if you believe she's going to come back. But even if she does come back or doesn't come back, why do you need a hundred grand? Or is this just another scheme off the death of a little girl? Man, that's that's wrong all the way around. Uh, Bill Johnson, of course, the leader of Bethel, he gets into it and uh, quote, he says, the child's body remains at the county coroner's office while the prayer gatherings continue. Uh, and of course, Bethel not only uh, has a healing rooms ministry, and again, we'll probably have a whole study on them later, uh, Lord willing, but uh, they have a, quote, dead raising team that comes out of their school of supernatural ministry. And uh, so they say, quote, they've brought about 15 resurrections amidst the 60 teams worldwide. Okay, where's the proof? Number one. Number two, uh, man, so you got a whole team of people, even in your own ministry. I mean, dis- discounting all the, the prayers that you're seeking from everybody around the world and $100,000. Uh, and then surely, I mean, you guys are going to, this girl's going to pop right back up out of the coroner's office, right? Not even close. 
right? It's a bunch of baloney, and it's unfortunate. One guy talks about this. Watch this. Now, if, you, if you've already heard about the controversy regarding the failed attempts at Bethel to raise a two-year-old girl from the dead, today is my, it's my intention that this will be the last nail in the coffin regarding this failed attempt to raise Olive from the dead. Yeah, pun intended. In fact, you can kind of think of it as a theological post-mortem. Yeah, I know. I'll just keep them coming dry. But you, you get the idea. And this is an important one, because Bethel Church is part of the New Apostolic Reformation. They believe that God has restored prophets to the world and restored apostles. And a, a particular apostle that you may be familiar with is Bill Johnson himself. You know, the claim at Bethel is that he is an apostle. Well, the uh, failed attempt to raise Olive from the dead proves that Bill Johnson is not an apostle. He's a false apostle. Now, how could that guy say that? Because what did Jesus say? You want to know who's the false prophet? You look at their life. You, you monitor them, watch them. And if this guy really was a true prophet or apostle, the apostles, when those gifts were in function, what could they do? They could raise the dead. And it happened today. This guy claims to be one, and this was the big giant failure, right? So guess what? You could say uh, abundantly clear, you're a false prophet. You're a false apostle. I didn't say that Jesus, he's the one that gave us the guideline, right? But let's get this back to this Branhamism because again, he said he could do the same thing and there's been no re- evidence and whatever. Uh, <clears throat> he had many of his subjects flat out die. Okay, he goes on to say that he, the same angel who followed the Israelites in the wilderness followed him. In case you're wondering. He even claimed to have captured that angel on film. Really? Let's see it. Well, maybe it got lost. I don't know. In the, 19, in the mid-50s, he began to, uh, his following began to decline. And uh, that decline became more and more, as he got more and more car- uh, car- uh, sensational, controversial uh, with his teachings. You know, sometimes what these guys do when the money starts going down or the popularity starts going down, they come up with something new. Huh? Well, God gave me a new dream, a new vision. And then that's when it gets really bad. Okay. Unfortunately, people do the same thing today. Um, but here's what he started to teach after that. He taught that members of denominational churches, that would be you and I, have taken the mark of the beast. It's like, for, how, how, where, how do you even deal with that one? First of all, the mark of the beast doesn't happen until the seven-year tribulation. Uh, so we're not there. Last time I checked in the seven-year tribulation. Uh, so how can you even say that? Right. Uh, second of all, the church leaves at the rapture prior to the seven-year tribulation. So I can say the church is getting the mark of the beast. I mean, the whole thing's all whacked out. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? You know what they're doing? Some, they're, they're mesmerized with these people. God told me to tell you, and they got all these antics, and look at that. That person dropped their crutches, and they must be healed. They, they said they cast out a demon. They had this special power. Haven't you heard the stories? Some guy knew some guy who knew a guy who ran into Branham who knew a guy over in this foreign country that we can't verify. He raised somebody from the dead. You better listen to him. And the whole time, nobody's fact-checking. Nobody's reading the Bible. People being duped right and left, man. That's what, how they get away with this stuff. But if you read your Bible, as soon as he said, members of denominational churches have taken the mark of the beast, stop, C- cut the mic, Bob, cut the mic. False teacher. But nobody does it. And then, again, these people still follow the guy. In fact, today, uh, some of the groups that still, uh, two million plus people follow this guy. 
his teachings, even though he's long dead. One group calls him uh, the Branham Christ, and they go so far to say that Christ is the Alpha and William Branham is the Omega, that Jesus is the only begotten son and that William Branham is the first begotten son. You get outside the Bible, folks, and God told me to tell you, man, anything goes. And uh, they actually believe that Jesus and Branham are equal, if not equivalent. Okay. Uh, Another group believes that Branham will be, listen, will be resurrected first and then call for the return of Christ. What? So Jesus is waiting for your command before he can come back to the second coming? That's out there. Another group listens to the recorded messages of Will and Branham as their only teaching. Now you're brainwashed. You're not even in the Bible. You're just regurgitating what this guy. But isn't that what they say? And this is what I've said before. If you're really getting a new word from God, then we better start writing down a new New Testament, which would be blasphemous. Okay. Uh, But some people, that's why they call his messages the message, right? Okay, his messages and teachings are contradictory, obviously, because they're whipped up by man. Uh, Again, he he goes down the route of one is Pentecostalism. He's got a false view of the Trinity uh, and uh, that you can baptize uh, in the name of Jesus only. Uh, He also believed and taught what was called the serpent seed doctrine. Uh, You guys ever see a guy on TV, Arnold Murray? right? Uh, Arnold Murray was a a proponent of that, I believe. But uh, the serpent seed doctrine is this. Eve's sin in the Garden of Eden was having sex with a snake. Yeah. Uh, Also, he believed in annihilationism, that hell is not a place of everlasting punishment. They just poof. That's not what the Bible says. Forever and ever and ever and ever, their torment rises, smoke forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Last time I checked that last four Ever, never, 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 never. For those of you wondering, uh, you don't just poof and cease to be. It's like, again, if you read the Bible, how do you, get, how do you, how do you fall for this stuff? But you go to the average charismatic service today, and what is not happening? Man, you got music galore. You got hopping up and down galore. You got somebody getting a new word from God, doing this thing, and you got all kinds of sensationalism, but what are you not doing? You're not in the Bible. And every single time, you'll be led astray. That's the danger, right? One of the many dangers, Right? Uh, he also was into the word faith. We'll get into that in a second with Oral Roberts. Uh, the name it and claim it, blam it and grab it thing. He also believed that the idea it, that the zodiac and the zodiac, so now I'm talking astrology, and the Egyptian pyramids are, quote, equal to written scripture. What? Because apparently God told him to tell us to tell you to tell. Okay. And of course, guess what he was? A false prophet. Right? He predicted things that did not come true. Branham made a personal prediction that the end of the world would occur in or on before, or in or on uh, 1977. Yeah. So apparently we're now in the millennium. You guys enjoying it? Lamb and lion laying, or lamb and the wolf and the lamb laying together and everything's peaceful and you can put your hand in a viper's nest and <laughs> it's awesome all day long. They just kiss you now. <laughs> yeah, it's just awesome. You put a wolf and a lamb in a cage, what do you get? Lamb chops. Okay, every single time. Give me a break. And then Satan's bound during the millennium. Oh yeah, he's bound all right. It's nuts, right? Okay, but obviously that. But on Christmas Eve 1965, guess what? Your mortality revealed itself. You died, right? And he died as a result of injuries in a car accident. My notes say 
Couldn't you predict the other car was coming? Mr. Prophet of God, Mr. Who Jesus is waiting for your command before he can come back, and you couldn't predict that car was coming your way? Sorry, folks. Um, you got to ask these questions. Uh, but guess what? Just like Olive, I kid you not, followers thought he would be raised from the dead, so his burial was postponed. Listen to how long. He died on Christmas Eve, 1965. He was not buried until April 11th, 1966. Now, the King James, when Lazarus came out of the tomb, four days and said, he stinketh. Wow. I don't know what word we could use there. I mean, he rotteth. Uh, he, <laughs> it's not goodeth. Okay. Uh, but anyway, but listen to this. He's buried under a large pyramidal tombstone in Jefferson, Indiana. And, uh, uh, and that, um, uh, which is also Jehovah's Witness. Remember that? Charles Taze Russell and his tombstone, the pyramids, because he was into pyramidology uh, as well. Uh, and on the front of the tombstone was, of course, on his tombstone, he's still quoting the Malachi that he's the prophet to come, Elijah and all that stuff. Okay. And uh, he can, and again, the, it still continues on today under the William Branham Evangelistic Association. Man, scratch that word evangelistic. Uh, who reported in, in 2018, they still had about 2 million people receive their material. Wow, how could that still go on? Because you're not in the Bible. Because, dare I say, even those of us who are in the Bible, we have been falsely conditioned to keep your mouth shut. Who are you to judge? Touch not thine anointed, right? You can't disagree. Who do you think you are, right? This is what, excuse me, what did Jesus say? You need to watch out for these people and you need to pay attention. And then when you see by their fruit, it's a bunch of baloney, run, Certainly don't support it. Certainly don't continue it. And certainly don't put it above the scripture. Give me a break, right? Now, he was the biggest one, the most popular one. Now, the next one that we're gonna deal with, okay, uh, he, was, he was pretty popular, but Branham still gets, you know, for this 50s tent revival era, he still gets most of the accolades that it was really him that got this thing going crazy big, okay? Oral Roberts outlived him. So he's the more well-known one. Okay, but let's deal with Oral Roberts. Okay, his real name is Granville Oral Roberts. All right, so I don't know if you even have to flip a coin on that one. If you're going to go by, do you call yourself Granville or Oral? I guess you're going to do Oral every day, is my theory. So Oral Roberts, as we know him, he was an American charismatic televangelist, died, of course, I think 2009. We'll see that in a little bit. Ordained in both Pentecostal holiness and United Methodist churches. As we saw before, that's a natural slide because a lot of this so-called second blessing, the second work of the Holy Spirit, which is not true, you get all the Holy Spirit at salvation that came out of John Wesley, but that's why you can get some of these these, uh, folks working together. He's considered the godfather of the modern charismatic movement today, uh, very well known during his time for the healing ministry. And again, just like we saw with Amy Simple McPherson and Catherine Kuhlman, and, uh, but Oral Roberts is, quote, uh, credited with helping to bring Pentecostalism into the mainstream in the United States of America. This guy really uh, was at the forefront. And part of it is because of the media that he used as well uh, to influence. But here he is in action. As you can see, the same kind of setup, the same kind of chicanery we saw with Amy Simple McPherson, Catherine Krulman, and even Benny Hinn, the same kind of setup, the same routine, all that stuff. But here's some vintage footage of him in action. Let's take a look. 
As we start to pray, we're asking you, our friend watching through television, to join us as these are joining us here in the Big Tent Cathedral. We want your compassion, your prayers. We want you to open your heart and help us pray. And pray for yourself. You may need a healing. And if you would like us to pray with you personally, you just write us. You can reach me this week by a letter, Oral Roberts, Tulsa 2, Oklahoma. We'll pray with you. We believe God can hear and answer prayer. So we're ready to go, Brother Deweese. How do you do? I'm Brother Roberts. I've been waiting two years for this opportunity. You're so short of breath. What's the matter? I just guess I'm excited. <laughs> well, isn't it big? Oh, you have tuberculosis oh, in both lungs. Yes, sir. Oh, God. This is Anna. That's right. There's a lot of. Member of the Church of Christ. And Anna, you've come for your healing. Yes, I have. Have you a family? I have. Children. Two sons, yes. Are they depending on this tonight? They are. Put your hands on your chest. Audience, have compassion for a mother tonight. Oh, God, open these lungs. Christ, I know thou art standing by my side, and I touch her as you would have me touch her. I touch her because you tell me to touch her in the name of Christ. What? I'm all right. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Why do you say that? I just know I am. I've waited so long for this. Well? I just know you as my contact. I know it. Contact for what? For my healing. To God? Yes. Thank you, Jesus Christ, and thank you for your prayers. Are you breathing? Yes, I am. Are you breathing? Last time I checked, when somebody is still speaking, they're still breathing. <laughs> I, I have to stop on that one before we continue on. It, the first thing that popped in my head was, I remember this list I've cataloged, actual questions asked by attorneys in courtroom settings in the light of, are you still breathing? Quote, now doctor, isn't it true that when a person dies in his sleep, he doesn't know about it until the next morning? Number two, the youngest son, the 20-year-old, how old is he? Takes a little bit. Kick, pay attention. You'll get him faster. All right. Uh, were you alone or by yourself? Usually I'm with me wherever I go. Uh, was it you or your younger brother who was killed in the war? Uh, <laughs> how far apart were the vehicles at the time of the collision? Uh, how many times have you committed suicide? I'm still here, so I guess it didn't work. Okay, question. She had three children, right? Yes. Question. How many were boys? Answer, none. Were there any girls? Wow. Uh, question. How was your first marriage terminated? Answer, by death. Question. And by whose death was it terminated? Question. Can you describe the individual? Answer, he was about medium height and had a beard. Question, was this male or female? Question, doctor, how many autopsies have you performed on dead people? Answer, all my autopsies are performed on dead people. <laughs> Listen to this one. Question, doctor, <laughs> before you performed the autopsy, did you check for a pulse? Answer, no. Did you check for a blood pressure? No. Did you check for breathing? No. So then is it possible that the patient was alive when you began the autopsy? No. Well, how can you be so sure, doctor? Because his brain was sitting on my desk in a jar. 
but could the patient have still been alive nevertheless? Answer by the doctor, it is possible that he could have been alive practicing law somewhere. <laughs> Listen to the last one. All your responses, question, all your responses must be oral, okay? What school did you go to? Answer, oral. <laughs> Get it? It's supposed to be. All right, hey, that's, I call that a laugh snack. You put it in your pocket, three hours later, you'll pull it out, you'll get it later. You'll get it. But speaking of oral, let's continue with the oral. Have you, are you breathing? You, are you breathing? Are you, are you kidding me? We're gonna see a list, man, here in a second. What a, what a bunch of chicanery, man. And that lady just, saw, she just felt healed. So she's, I guess she's healed. He wasn't even done. I'm healed. You know what's sad? Is I think some of these people, as we've already read some of the other accounts before, they're going to these people and they're hurting. And, and as we said before, God can heal. He can do whatever he wants to do. But that's not what these hucksters are doing. They're ripping people off their cash, right? And they're false prophets, false teachers. Roberts affected the American Protestant community. According to one authority, conservative, uh, his ministry influence at this time was second only to that of Billy Graham. That's how much he helped cram this mindset into our culture. He founded Oral Roberts Evangelistic Association and, of course, Oral Roberts University. Uh, He's one of the most, not just well-known, but controversial American religious leaders of the 20th century, and we'll see why in just a little bit. His ministry reached millions of followers worldwide, spanning over six decades. He also pioneered televangelism, right? This guy used TV in the 50s, and man, he, he got a big crowd for that. And he laid the foundations of the prosperity gospel, the name it and claim it, sow a seed in my ministry, came from this guy, Oral Roberts, okay, which we'll probably get into, Lord, one the next day. But uh, his uh, style of ministry was controversial, including his widely publicized funding appeals made him a consistent subject of contention among critics. And here's just some of the wild things he's been criticized for. You tell me if it's a valid criticism. Let's take a look. Oral Roberts came out of the latter rain movement of the 1940s. Another well-known evangelical to come out of that movement was Jim Jones. Oral founded Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1963, stating that he was obeying a command from God. In 1977, Oral claimed to have a vision from a 900-foot-tall Jesus, who told him to build City of Faith Medical and Research Center, and the hospital would be a success. Oral could have chosen to go to a hospital or perhaps a psychiatrist, but being a faith healer, he chose to reveal that information to the entire world instead. In 1980, Oral said he had a vision which encouraged him to continue the construction of City of Faith, which opened in 1981. In 1983, Oral said Jesus had appeared to him in person and commissioned him to find a cure for cancer. The City of Faith operated for only eight years before closing in 1989. In January 1987, during a fundraising drive, Roberts announced to a television audience that unless he raised $8 million by that March, God would call him home. Later that year, Oral announced that God had raised the dead through his ministry. In 1987, Oral Roberts reported to Time magazine that he personally raised a child from the dead. He also reported that the only witness to this event was Richard Roberts, his son. Richard Roberts was forced to leave as president of Oral Roberts University in 2007 following allegations of misappropriation of school funds. Oral stepped in and gave the role to another Tulsa televangelist, Billy Joe Daughtry. 
Oral Roberts, his ministry, and his offspring have done nearly nothing to make this world a better place. They are leeches. Oral Roberts built his ministry out of hundreds of millions of dollars, and it shouldn't be allowed. But why do these people keep going on? Because nobody calls them out. And people have been brainwashed and thinking, I, I, I can't say nothing. You're not supposed to judge, right? Who are you? You know, it's sad. And unfortunately, uh, you and I have to deal with this. I say this a lot. Uh, these guys claim to be what? Christians. They have the biggest media outlets typically in the world claiming to be Christians. So they have become, quote, the face of Christianity to the world. And so when you and I, the evangelical Christian, okay, go to witness to somebody, you wonder why it's so hard today? It's because of this. It's one of the big reasons, okay? But how to start? Well, he was born in Oklahoma, 1918. He was the youngest child of, of five, and uh, his dad was a, a reverend. And uh, basically, uh, he grew up in poverty, and he nearly died of tuberculosis at the age of 17. Know the man's history, know why they goes into the route. He was born in poverty, so what was one of the things that he wanted to be? Rich. He had health problems early on, nearly died. So now what's he saying? You can be perfectly rich and perfectly full of health. So, And again, this is the guy that the word faith movement really began to take off. And when you understand his background, uh, you can see why he went down that route. Uh, he became a traveling faith healer. He made a name originally for himself with a large mobile tent. At that time, 3,000 people on metal chairs. Uh, some of the other guys we saw before, it was like 22,000 seat tent. You know, some, you know, but, but he, you know, he had to get started somewhere. But quote, 1947 was a turning point. Up until that time, Robert Struggler, uh, struggled as a part-time preacher in Oklahoma. But at the age of 29, quote, watch, here you go. He picks up his Bible and it fell on the third epistle of John where uh, the verse uh, two read, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. So there you have it. We're guaranteed to have Cadillacs, Armani suits, perfect health. That's what that verse is saying. That's completely ripped out of context. Oh, by the way, you don't interpret any passage in the Bible alone by itself, right? You could rip it completely out of context. You can make anything say anything if you do that, right? I mean, what, and how dangerous is that? You're going to build a whole theology off of you just plop the Bible down and there it was, right? I mean, you could plop, I mean, uh, plop it down and it says right there. <gasps> Judas went and hung himself. Okay. That's a word from God. Let's go do it. Now that's, I'm being facetious to make a point. It's like, you, okay, that's what it says, but that doesn't mean that's what you go do. And that doesn't mean that's something for us to do. And, and, but that's not even what that text is saying. But he took it that way. And I quote, listen, the next day, the next day he bought a Buick and supposedly God appeared and directed him to heal the sick. Wow. And it gets worse from there. He conducted uh, these faith healing crusades around the United States, around the world. Again, he claimed that he could raise the dead. Wasn't it convenient that the only one to witness that event was his son, who later was removed because of shameful practices and stuff? Uh, then in November 1947, he started Healing Waters. That was a monthly magazine to promote. So he's getting into media. Uh, and thousands of sick people waited in line to be healed by this guy, like the lady you saw there. And uh, he is credited, supposedly, of laying hands in prayer on more than 2 million people. So, okay, let's put it to the test, right? Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know, right? So this guy, man, if he did lay hands and prayed for 2 million people, man, there's got to be people getting healed right and left. If this is true, if this is genuine, right, 
Well, let's, let's take a look at the evidence. Roberts claims, first of all, that sickness is of the devil. And during the early years of his ministry, he claimed to discern the demons of illness through his right hand. So I don't know if his left hand got short-circuited or whatever, but in the right hand. Okay, but speaking of the hands, he's not done yet. He said that uh, when he began his healing ministry, the power of God flowed like a current through him. Uh, and in uh, 1949, he described a visit with him and Branham getting together, right? Uh, at a healing crusade in Tampa, Florida. Both of them, quote, heard the voice of God and felt the healing power in their hands. Branham felt with his left through vibrations. Roberts in his right hand had power to, quote, detect the presence, names, and numbers of demons. What's that text say? We prophesied in your name. What was the second thing you mentioned these people would do? The fakers? Cast out demons and their, and so-called miracles. And man, this is just lining up. March 1952, three uh, on the cover of his magazine, Healing Waters, Three, quote, great medical doctors were congratulating Oral Roberts right down the front thing. So obviously it was put to the test and, and they're validating that these are genuine healings. Quote, when an inquiry was made to the American Medical Association, uh, it was learned that there was no record of these great medical doctors. It was a lie. You put the thing on your, is a lie. Then a Presbyterian pastor, he attended Oral Roberts Crusades and did follow-up interviews for those who were supposedly healed. He testified, quote, there was no basis for any support for Roberts' claim. He concluded, I have never seen any vestige of change. I challenge any honest investigator to see whether or not their findings do not agree with mine. And he referred to this whole movement uh, of Pentecostal healers at the time, he said, listen to this. He said, his analysis, so far from curing, they often kill. Far from blessing, their arrival in a city is rather a curse. It's a misery, it's a racket, a destruction of the faith of simple people. Oh, by the way, back to that word ferocious wolves. Remember I told you about it? swindlers? Okay, extortionists. And that's, you, that's how you extort somebody, through a racket is one it, what the guys were saying. Then another guy, John Kobler, he interviewed two individuals recommended by Roberts as, quote, the most striking instances of cures. So now they says, give us your two best examples. So he gives them to him. Kobler reported, quote, one had never visited a physician, so nothing was verified. The other, listen, had subsequently undergone surgery to remove cancer. But that's your two best examples? And one still had to go to surgery to get rid of the cancer, but you're supposed to be healed and Wow. Then a Toronto physician examined 30 people who passed through Robert's healing line and he found, quote, no case of healing and at least one of the 30 had died. Then September 8th, 1950 in Amarillo, Texas, 64-year-old man died when he ran out from uh, Oral Roberts' tents. Two days later, a windstorm destroyed the crusade and sent 50 uh, people to the hospital. 1951, an Alabama businessman died while attending a Roberts uh, crusade in Atlanta. 1955, Jonas Ryder died during the Calgary, Alberta, Canada crusade with Roberts. 1956, Mary Vondersher died 12 hours after appearing on Roberts' television program testifying of her healing. She's dead 12 hours later. 
1959 in January, 64-year-old man died during the campaign in Oakland, California. 1959 in May, a three-year-old girl died during the healing crusade at Fayetteville, North Carolina. And 1959 in July, a woman died after believing herself healed in a Roberts crusade. And one guy puts this. He says, we are not gloating over these tragedies. They are very sad, and there is no joy in relating them. The reason we do so is that Oral Roberts and these other so-called Pentecostal healers claim that physical healing is guaranteed. They claim that the apostolic sign gifts are in full function today. The facts, though, show that their claims are not true. These people have the same problems, the same sicknesses, the same afflictions, and the same financial problems as Christians who don't believe this stuff. It's just a bunch of baloney. Oh, and by the way, he's also a false prophet. Quote, 1950, Roberts claimed that, quote, God had instructed him to tell people to expect Jesus to return that year. Did that happen? No. And then in 1954, he predicted, quote, a coming together of God's anointed for the final revival. Did that happen? No. So by their fruit, you will know them. I'm not even done with this guy yet, but you take a look at his life. Here's what he's saying. He's a prophet of God. Right? He's got this guaranteed apostolic gift of healing every single time. right? And what do we see? By their fruit, you'll recognize them. Dude, you're fake. You're a false. You're a ferocious wolf. You're a swindler. right? Jesus tells me to stay away from you. But people don't do that, and they keep going on even to this day. He funded, again, 1963 Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, he said he was obeying a command from God. As we saw in the video, 1977, he claimed to have a vision from a 900-foot-tall Jesus. Why not? Six feet tall? How about just nine feet tall? I mean, he's, he's taller than even the Nephilim. You know, but he's God. I guess he could do that. Why nine hundred? What, what? But you know what? It sounds sensational. It sounds amazing. Or was God adjusting to? Because he did wear glasses. Maybe God had to appear as nine hundred foot tall so Oral Roberts and his poor eyesight could see him. That's a crone theory, by the way. I'm making that up. Okay. Oh, by the way, why are you wearing glasses and have poor eyesight if you're a faith healer? Oops, you're not supposed to think that. Let's continue on. Uh, but anyway, that so-called 900-foot Jesus told him to build uh, this hospital, the Faith Medical Research Center, and that it would be a success. All right, let's put it to the test. Was it a success? No. It operated for only eight years, constant financial troubles, and closed in 1989. Well, guess what? That wasn't Jesus, because he doesn't lie. You're the liar. You're the false prophet. You're the false teacher. Uh, then in 1983, he said Jesus appeared to him uh, to commission him to find a cure for cancer. Well, did, does that happen? Did you do that? And if you got a special visit from Jesus, and that was what you're, oh, by the way, if Jesus is really showing up, if he's physically showing up before you, his next physical showing up, the scripture's clear, doesn't happen until this, the second coming, which is at the end of the seven-year tribulation. So now you've messed up the whole timeline of the return of Jesus Christ, Right? But that's a whole other subset issue. 1987, of course, he announced that he has to raise $800 million or that God would, quote, call him home. Okay, or $8 million, yeah, thank you. $8 million or God's gonna call him home. Really, so God's gonna kill you if I don't give you money. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like somebody is trying to extort me out of my money. And what's that word there mean? 
That's exactly what it means. Ferocious wolf, ravenous, you swindler, right? And uh, later that year, he announced that God had raised the dead through his ministry, but again, it's conveniently only his son saw that. Uh, but of course, unfortunately, the income of his organization uh, started to go on the decline from 88 million in 1980 to 55 million in 1986. Okay, and it starts to go down the hill. Uh, and uh, so, again, if you got guaranteed health and guaranteed wealth, why are you going down? What's the matter? You're losing your faith? I mean, think about this, folks. Put it to the test, right? Look at the fruit, right? Now, all right. Okay, so maybe he, he didn't have under control with uh, what can happen with other people, even though he claimed to be able to heal whatever. So surely the ones who benefited the most from this so-called giftedness, this apostolic giftedness, was his family. They must have been the epitome of health, a great life. Everything worked out fantastic because they had this special anointing from God, and he was... Listen to his personal life. Evelyn, his wife, died from a fall uh, in 2005. Their daughter, Rebecca, died in an airplane crash with her husband in 1977. Their elder son, Ronald Roberts, committed suicide by shooting himself in the heart in 1982 after receiving a court order to undergo counseling at a drug treatment center and six months after coming out as gay. And Roberts himself, or Roberts, died of complications from pneumonia December 15, 2009, at the age of 91. Well, how'd you get pneumonia? Exactly. Put it to the test. And I'm, I'm, folks, I'm sorry if it, if it sounds harsh. I'm, I'm doing what Jesus said. Look at their fruit. And it sounds harsh because, I don't know, because is anybody ever going to call these people out? What are, you, what are you doing? I'm just, I'm just reading the facts, right? But again, even the world, see, the world looks at these people's behavior. And I've said this before. They are so much more quick than you and I, unfortunately, to call these hucksters out on the carpet. But this is a bunch of baloney, Right? But let's take a look at the news broadcast of his death in 2009. Let's take a look. One of the first of the big-name TV preachers died today, Oral Roberts. He was 91. Beginning in the 1950s, Roberts used television to raise spirits and raise money, and he even once claimed he'd raise the dead. Don Teague now with the Oral Roberts story. Out of that barren ground... Oral Roberts was considered the father of televangelists, among the first preachers to take religious revivals from tents to television, establishing a multi-million dollar ministry that reached around the world. My soul's at stake. I may lose my soul. I know I will if I disobey God. Robert's faith and philosophy grew out of a bout with tuberculosis as a teenager. He said God cured him and gave him healing powers of his own. Through his ministry, he brought charismatic Christianity into the mainstream, the belief that God bestows his powers on man, including healing. What God wants is people with faith. What God wants is people who are willing to suffer. Robert's crusades were often controversial. He once claimed to raise a child from the dead. And in 1987, he predicted God would bring him home to heaven if he failed to raise $8 million to support his struggling City of Faith Medical and Research Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I need some very quick money so I'll know when March comes, I won't be taken. I'll get to live. Despite his pleas, the facility closed two years later. 
more successful was his namesake, Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, a campus that includes a 60-foot statue of praying hands. The campus was rocked by controversy in 2007 when his son, then university president, Richard Roberts, was accused of lavish spending. It is about intimidation, blackmail, and extortion. Interesting word that he chose there at the very end, isn't it? No, it's not blackmail. No, it's not extortion. We're doing what the Bible says to do, what Jesus commanded to do. Watch out for false prophets. These guys are going to come out. They're going to be looking like you. They're going to sound like you. They're going to dress like you. But they're really ferocious wolves. They're swindlers. They're going to extort you. And you will know it by their fruit, by their life. Good trees produce good fruit. Bad trees produce what? And if you put this baby on the scale, what am I seeing? What, I'm seeing, okay, bad fruit. This is not extortion. You're the one who's extorting people with this philosophy that is not biblical, and you're ripping people off of cash. It's a horrible rotten witness, and dare I say, there's so many people. I hear stories of it all the time. They're, quote, mad at God because they went to one of these healing crusades, they didn't get a healing, and somehow, apparently God doesn't hear my prayers, or maybe even God doesn't love me. You talk about putting salt on a wound, or even got these same hucksters who said, well, you need to sow a bigger seed of money into this ministry. You need to demonstrate more. You know what? You got a secret sin. That's why you weren't healed, and they throw it back on that person, and you know what? We're going to see that our next text, Lord one, we're going to open up with Peter. He talks about these people who would come and in their greed, they would exploit people, okay, with stories they made up. Does that sound familiar? Okay. But he says, and their destruction uh, is coming. You don't want to be on the side of this camp, folks, uh, because they're claiming to speak for God, and they're not. And they're leading people astray, and it's a horrible, rotten witness but what we're going to do next time lord william for still alive and still here is we're going to see that there was one other unfortunate legacy from oral roberts oral roberts is the one and you hear me say it all the time with it it came from him he launched also on top of all this baloney the seed faith concept which gave birth to the word faith uh uh, belief that if you sow a seed in my ministry, God's going to bless you a hundredfold and this and all that baloney. And this is where you get people coming out of this right off the heels of Oral Roberts. You got Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, and things of that nature. That's where we'll pick up next time because they ran with it and took it to a whole different level. So let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. 
And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a thief, I'm a blasphemer, I'm an adulterer, I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven right and we've actually seen this work in real life uh, for instance uh, there's been people who have committed crimes gone to court the gavel's been passed the judge has said hey listen we all know you're guilty uh, you even admit you're guilty and uh, for your crimes you're going to not just jail you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty and did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row, it's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused 
to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.